Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. The head of the Reserve Bank, Philip Lowe, has fronted a Senate inquiry, saying raising interest rates is the best way to fight inflation. But is inflicting pain on Australian families the only way? Today, business and economics reporter Gareth Hutchins on why there could actually be an ingenious alternative. Gareth, last week the Reserve Bank of Australia increased interest rates for a ninth consecutive time. Another rate rise from the Reserve Bank tightens the squeeze. The Reserve Bank is treading a precarious path, trying to tame inflation while avoiding a recession. And so that's confronting for homeowners because they're paying even more money to the banks. Yeah, you're, um, you're left feeling like the banks are stealing our money. The RBA, to try to control inflation, needs to stop us spending. We are trying to navigate a narrow path here. Uh, We want to get inflation down because it's dangerous. And to do that, it's continuing to raise interest rates. Demand interest rates for all the faults and all the problems we have is the more nimble tool. So, you know, we pay more of our income to the banks uh, and that takes money away from us and prevents us from being able to spend at the shops. I know everyone's piling on Philip Lowe, the head of the RBA at the moment. Um, I get a lot of people writing to me, telling me about their personal circumstances. And, you know, I read those letters and hear those stories um, with a very heavy heart. Is it really his fault, Gareth? Because it's his job, isn't it, to keep inflation in check? And isn't it the only way he can do that is by raising rates? Yeah, like, let's not make this a personal attack on the governor. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not even a personal attack on the Reserve Bank as an institution. What we're criticising here is the larger policy framework, which acts as though fighting inflation is the sole preserve of the RBA and that government should stay on the sidelines. But it hasn't always been this way. In, in fact, it was, it's only been this way since the, the 1990s when the Reserve Bank was made independent and it was giving the task of targeting inflation. But for, for a huge part of the 20th century, policymakers really took it for granted that governments did have a big role to play in managing inflation, which things like taxes and levies or tax cuts, even price controls and rent freezes in some circumstances. When you read the debates that economists were having in the 1930s and 40s and 50s, you can really see great minds trying to tackle these issues. We have a terrific task ahead of us. We have a shattered world around us. And then to demobilise and transition to a peacetime economy after the war, all of which were huge problems and had just different ways of dealing with it. I call upon you to march with me towards the beacon lights of national prosperity and honour, which must ever be our guide. Now, in 1940, the British economist John Maynard Keynes was thinking really deeply about ways to control inflation when the British economy was going to be in a full employment situation during the war. And he wrote an essay called How to Pay for the War, where he talked about the economics of compulsory saving. And it's a masterpiece in macroeconomic thinking. 
<laughs> and it also sounds like it's uh, complicated then. What was <laughs> well, he saying? It's, it's actually pretty simple. Keynes argued that during the war, people were going to have a large amount of disposable income and accumulated savings because there'd be a situation of genuine full employment because of mobilisation for total war, but there'd be fewer opportunities for people to spend their income because most of the resources in the economy would be directed towards the war effort so there'd be fewer consumer goods in the economy. And he suggested you'd have two options. Right. And what are they, I assume, not increasing interest rates? Well, increasing interest rates was one of them, but he said the other option was more palatable. So he came up with the idea that you could postpone people's ability to spend too much by quarantining a proportion of their weekly income every pay cycle and putting it into a fund where it could generate interest for those workers. Then after the war, that money could be released back to workers to support consumption through any post-war slump that might eventuate. And under his plan, each worker would have a deferred pay card, which would be stamped by their employer, recording how much of their pay was being quarantined each week. So everyone would have a record of how much they were owed when the war was over. It was a brilliant concept. Mm, yeah, it sounds fascinating. So workers, they'd be receiving less money in their pocket and that would stop the inflationary pressures. When inflation was no longer a problem then, Gareth, after the war, they were what just got their money back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even Friedrich Hayek, an Austrian economist who spent his life trying to rid the world of Keynes's influence, <laughs> said the idea was ingenious. Mm, but hang on, the question I've got is, if everyone gets their savings back at the same time after the war and they all start spending all at once again, like we saw after the COVID lockdowns were lifted, won't that just fuel the inflation once again? Great question. I mean, there are different ways you could design such a scheme. You wouldn't necessarily get access to those savings all at the same time. So they could go into a super fund, for instance. Now, Keynes suggested that you could get, people could get their money back in instalments. So you could really manage the economic effects of those regular flow of small savings hitting the economy. But, you know, there'd be a million different ways you could design such a scheme. Mm, it sounds, as you say, ingenious. So is it something that we could actually do today instead of Australians giving more of their hard-earned money to the banks because of rate rises? Could we do this? Could we park our money somewhere else just for a little while? For sure. Like, why, why shouldn't households get to keep the money they've worked hard for and have access to it later once the inflationary wave has passed? Again, it could go into their super accounts where it would generate returns for those households and build their future wealth. Um, and it would also mean the savings effort would include all households rather than just those households with mortgages, so you'd have much more control of excess consumption through all sections of the economy. But what about low-income households? Because they might not have enough in their pay packets anyway to give up some of that. That doesn't seem fair. No, I mean, another great point. They wouldn't necessarily have to be included. It would be completely unjust, I think, to ask households that are already struggling to survive to pay for their meals and bills, to put more money away each week. Like, how can they if they don't have the money to begin with? So the, the scheme should focus on households that have disposable income and savings, and you design it in such a way that everyone saves according 
to their ability to save. Okay, so let's talk about whether or not this is realistic because this is an idea that was born a long time ago. Has anyone been talking about a concept like this more recently? Yeah, Nicholas Gruen, he's the brother of David Gruen, who is the head of the Australian Bureau of Statistics. He wrote a paper in 1999 that talked about the ways you could use people's compulsory super contributions to manage inflation by lifting the compulsory contribution rate up and down, depending on the state of the economy. Much more recently, in 2020, another Australian economist, Lachlan Kerwood-McCall, he wrote a paper saying you could have an adjustable compulsory savings mechanism separate to compulsory super, but which would put excess savings into people's super accounts during inflationary episodes. So it would almost be auxiliary to the super system. Mm, Sounds pretty good. So under the Keynes model, you'd be saving... But you'd still, Gareth, be feeling an immediate pinch, wouldn't you? Things would still be hard or harder day to day to make ends meet. Yeah, you would because you'd be told each week that a proportion of your income is going to be quarantined that you can't spend, so you just have less money. That's just the reality of it. But, I mean, we're dealing with that situation at the moment when households are being forced to hand over more of their income to their banks. Do you think, Gareth, this idea could work today to bring inflation down? Yeah, what I'm getting at is if this type of scheme was already in place before this inflationary episode hit us, maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. If we allowed ourselves to use more creative and alternative ways of controlling inflation, we wouldn't be solely relying on monetary policy, lifting rates up and down to do all the heavy lifting. By relying so much on monetary policy over the last 30 years, it's led to the situation we're in now. Socially destructive house prices, increased wealth inequality, a growing divide between homeowners and renters. There has to be a better way. Gareth Hutchins is a business and economics reporter based in Canberra. Philip Lowe also told the inquiry he doesn't think interest rates have peaked yet, but he's unsure how much further they will need to rise. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Peed and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. To get in touch with the team, please email us on ABC News Daily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.